Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. Every week I have a guest on to share a sad story and then we laugh at it. I'm your host, Youngmi Mayer, and I'm going to introduce our guest right away because this person is so fascinating and I feel like we're going to have such a fascinating, interesting conversation and I'm so excited to have them on. Um, without further ado, your guest this week is a Budang, and her name is Jen. Everyone, uh, give it up for Jen. Hi, everyone. I'm <laughs> Budang Jen, and um, I'm a Korean American initiated shaman. For the listeners who don't know, you know what a Budang is, or maybe are not familiar with exactly what a shaman is, especially in like the Korean context, can you explain a little bit about? Uh, like what what that is so korean shamans there's different types but the type i the type that i am i'm the charis- charismatic shaman so we call it kangshimu and a lot of times um kangshimu or charismatic shamans we become possessed or their spirit mediumship that's involved connecting with people's ancestors spirits or even connecting with our own shin our spirits where we perform divinations rituals and ceremonies to help manifest things or to help clients achieve different things like maybe like for business luck or maybe family protection or family prosperity and things like that. Can Oh, I was going to make a joke. I, I don't know. Is it too early for jokes? I was like, can you no. make my my ass fatter? <laughs> Is that in your wheelhouse? I wish cuz I would have made my fatter too. <laughs> <laughs> Can you make my waist <laughs> tiny and my ass fat? That's what I need. <laughs> Sorry. I um, think we all need that. <laughs> wait, is that Kangxi? Like the same Kangxi in like when we were kids? The Like the scary character? Oh, no. no. I, I think may- maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like if Do we look at that? the character. Yes, like the zombies. And then yeah, the Taoist yeah. the priest slaps a pujok on their forehead and they just yeah. stop. Yes. How come none of the scary movies have that anymore? I feel like a I lot of know. the scary movies back then used to have those things. Well, I mean, I think it's slightly racist. No offense, no yes. offense to Koreans, because <laughs> cause like the the Kangxi, uh, if you don't know, it's like this traditional horror character. It's kind of like a Frankenstein or a werewolf mm-hmm. in Korea, but it's like a Chinese yes. like scholar. <laughs> Yeah, who turned into a zombie. A zombie. Well, yeah, he is a zombie technically, but I was just like, this is a little, a little xenophobic. Yes, and then a, a, a magical Korean priest comes and saves the day by slapping a talisman on their head. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying when I was a kid. Yeah, but apparently maybe that's why like they stopped using those for the movies in Korea. But that is so fascinating. And so then when people... You have clients that will hire you. Um, I'm assuming the majority of them are Korean. Mm -hmm. And and then you will come and do these rituals. Yes. And the spirit will over overtake you or embody you. Yes. 
Yeah, so oftentimes when we're doing ceremonies, um, yeah. it's often our spirits who comes in first to like set the tone or or, or come in to share messages. We say kongsu, channel messages. Mm-hmm. And in the later half of the ceremony is when we bring in the client's ancestors because oftentimes uh, we believe that our ancestors are the key to bringing luck for the family or protection. So mm-hmm. it was always important to involve ancestors in our work. And then when you say your spirits will come in first, what 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 do you mean? So when we initiate, um, we have we have uh, specific spirits that comes in. Let's say we have changuns, which is like warrior or like changun, like military general. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those spirits are meant for protection, like protecting or meant to fight against other spirits. Because sometimes in rituals or ceremonies, mm-hmm. uh, when we're clearing away bad luck or negative energy, it's a spiritual fight. So it's mm-hmm. important that we have changuns who are like the warrior or this um, military generals that fight off these negative spirits. Or um, if some of, um, every budang has different skills, but if your skill is very, if you are in divination, if one of your main skills is divination, you have a spirit that's associated that helps you with divination. If, um, if you are specialized in like helping people with illness or disease, then there's like a specific spirits or a cluster of spirits that can help you with those areas. So depending on the ceremony, mm-hmm. uh, we let all the spirits come in first. But when we say we let them play, meaning mm-hmm. that we let the spirits come in and possess us and and um, and they get to release their energies. And those spirits aren't necessarily your ancestors. Those are just spirits you've cultivated. So, so sometimes these spirits uh, that we call them by names are actually roles or positions that they play. Mm. And sometimes our ancestors fill up those roles or position. So it could be a mixture of, we say chunshin, which is like the pure heavenly spirits, like deities, mm-hmm. and also a mixture of ancestral spirits as well. On your path to becoming a budang, was it something that you were aware of when you were very young? Or like, what was your journey into discovering that you had these abilities? Oh, my, it was a really tough journey because growing up, um, my, my parents were Protestant Christian and then later we became Yikes. Catholic. So yeah. I hadn't, no, I had no exposure to this, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and, and being Korean American with lack of access to like the motherland and, or any teachers or any, or information. It was really hard. Like it was, it was a really big, I think I'm going to start crying now, but mm. it was a real hard struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to find my place in this world, like kind of being in, in this space where I'm in between not fitting there nor here. Yeah. It was a long struggle, but I believe that despite the struggles that I had and the difficulties that I had, it really, um, it really helped me step into my role working as a Korean shaman. I don't know if this is how you feel about this, but sometimes I feel like it's really unfair that parts of my own culture are kept from me, especially, you know, you who has like this very special, unique gift that's like a very big part of Korean culture. And the fact that I don't know if this is true for you, but like it, it almost seems like your parents were keeping you from that or, you know, stepping into your own truth. Yeah, I mean... I was resentful at first because I thought that had they shared more of our culture and our beliefs that I wouldn't have suffered or had Mm -hmm. such a difficulty like, you know, but at the same time, seeing the difficulties that I went through and the challenges that I went through, I really it made me um, 
it, it made me well versed or mm. or like well experienced in these different areas that it really helped me uh, to fulfill my role as a budang or a shaman because when clients see me for divination or for whatever type of work and they're sharing their struggles or their stories with me to some parts like I could understand because they're similar yeah. in my own struggles and in my mm-hmm. own experience. Right. Like I think, I mean, I'm just thinking as, you know, someone that's like a Korean American person that's like seeking out these services and this, you know, cultural practice, it would be very difficult, you know, to go to Korea to meet Mm -hmm. a mudang there. You know, for a lot of people, there's a language barrier and there's a cultural barrier. And I think it's very important that you are Korean American and you're um, doing this practice here for your clients who have like similar lives as you. Can I ask? So I'm assuming that on your path to becoming like a mudang, you had to go, I don't know if it's like, like a place where you learn or like apprenticeship or something like that. Did you have to do all that in Korea? I was, I'm very lucky and fortunate that I actually met my Shinomani, which is my spirit mother, my mm-hmm. godmother here mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do the training and the learnings like all here in New York. Wow. I've been very fortunate to do that because there's not, because there's not a lot of people who have that access or that privilege that I did. So yeah. I've been very fortunate and lucky to have that. And is this person actively training other Budangs in America or it was it just so happened that? In the lineage here in New York, um, mm-hmm. there she is active in terms of initiating people, but everybody mm-hmm. has different paths. Like a lot of people may initiate but may not take on the role of a Budang and they just live their normal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my spirit mother lately, as of late, uh, there's a little bit more training involved. And also training could be very difficult because our tradition is still a very much oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Like there's no set books or there's nothing really structured in terms of how how to train. So a lot of this involves like direct experience and it involves being like shadowing spirit mom a lot. Mm. I made the assumption that you had to train and learn about this in Korea. And I was just like thinking that that must that would be really, really hard, you know, because like there is like a cultural difference. And I feel like there is like some a sort of at times there are people that are Koreans that are from Korea that sort of look down or on yes. Americans, you know? Yes. Yeah. So it's great yes. that you, that, that you could do that here. Can I ask, do you know roughly maybe the number of like active Korean budangs in America? Is that something that? Oh, so there are, there are actually, there's been budangs in America for a long time, but some of them may not be active, Mm -hmm. but I would say in terms of like active shamans, there's not very much, um, Mm -hmm. there's not very much within my own lineage with some of the sisters that are initiated. I would say uh, out of the entire lineage, including my spirit mom, maybe it's a whole, like a handful of us, like Mm -hmm. maybe five, six individuals, um, and that's like stretching it there. Uh, but this is within my own lineage. And I know that there's um, some Budangs like in Hawaii and like an all spread throughout. Um, yeah. In terms of traditional practice, there's not a lot because uh, the traditional work doesn't really match with the American like lifestyle or like, I don't know if that uh, the American way of doing things. So a lot of our yeah. ceremonies has been modified to like fit our needs here. Mm. Do you do people travel a long distance to see you sometimes because there's so few? 
Yeah. Yes. So especially when there's ceremony involved, ceremony work involved, mm-hmm. I have clients traveling from Minnesota, from California, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes um, through Zoom, I have, you know, gives me the ability to connect with clients internationally. But a lot of times when there's ceremony work involved, people need to travel physically. Right. And I saw that you were in Korea over the summer. When you were in Korea, was that like a vacation or do you ever go to like baby study or do work yeah so most of the time when we go to korea is to reconnect with the land we go through it's like our own pilgrimage where we go to every mountain or all the oceans and we connect with the spirits there and then we go into a kutam which is like it's like think of airbnb for like ceremonies or rituals Mm -hmm. where you have a designated space you could rent out and we will stay there doing our own initiations or we say bajiku which is like our renewal ceremonies Mm -hmm. and these ceremonies are important because it it helps us connect with the energies of the motherland Mm -hmm. um I just went to Korea this summer because um, I'm working with a college and we're going to be providing some sort of a course that teaches uh, the history, the social and political impact of Korean shamanism. And I was also there because um, Cheonbuk National University was doing a research on my lineage and my work as oh. a diaspora. So I was there for like work too. Oh, that's fascinating. And can I ask you such a, because I feel like I, I like see ghosts all the time. This, I don't know if this mm-hmm. is like related, but I feel like I see ghosts and I like see all this stuff. Do you feel and when I'm in Korea, I feel like it's like stronger. Do you feel that that when you're in Korea, these like abilities that you have feel stronger to you? Yeah, I mean, I feel well, that's that's also the reason why I go to Korea, because Mm -hmm. I feel the energy is so much stronger. And in some ways, even though there's more spiritual experiences at the same time, I feel more powered up by it, like almost like recharging my batteries of sorts, because as Budangs, we are powered by our spirits and our ancestors. It's important that we visit Korea to step on the land to reconnect with that energy. Yeah, that's so interesting sorry i feel like this is so usually the <laughs> usually the interviews are very like la 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 we're like talking about our feelings but i mm-hmm. feel like um just so the listeners who don't know that much about this and i'm assuming that a lot of people don't know about don't know that much about like budang in korea like what what is like the overall feeling or idea that Koreans have about mudangs like what position do they hold in Korean society well I think the position has changed I feel like there's more of an openness because mudangs were you know there's a lot of stigmas and negative stereotypes surrounding Buddha especially with with the history that mudangs were seen as the lowest like caste like because Korea had a caste system and we were considered like the lowest tier or the lowest level within society and also because a lot of Budangs were women Mm -hmm. there was a lot of patriarchy shit you know that played into it that um because Budangs are seen as individuals who are empowered Mm -hmm. and for women to hold power or any type of authority in the in our culture was seen as low or it was seen as like and Confucians or like um or p- people who, you know, uphold patriarchy, they despised it because to yeah. them, women should not have power. Women should not have any 
positions of authority. And mm-hmm. that's what it did for a lot of like shamans who happen to be women. It empowered them or gave them some type of authority working with spirits um, and helping our communities. But now, especially with like K dramas and all these K movies that's like yeah. centered around like spirituality, mm-hmm. I feel that there's more of an openness of Budangs. But at the same time, I feel that some of these K dramas, um, there's a lot of like stereotypes that plays into it too as well. Like, like for example, like when Budangs work with their spirits, it's seen as demonic or evil. Mm-hmm. But it's on, but on the contrary, it's the opposite because a lot of the spirits that we work with is is within nature. Like a lot of the right. spirits and the deities are embodiments of nature. Yeah. And like just just before we start our stories, can I ask you like one personal thing? Because I I know you touched on Mm -hmm. your parents being Christian. How did they respond to you saying that you wanted to become a Budang? Oh, my God. (laughs) It caused an uproar. So my father's side is Catholic Mm -hmm. and they knew I was weird because like up until leading to this, I was starting very weird. But my Catholic family, because they believe in spirits and things like that, yeah. they were trying to convince me to hire a special priest from the Vatican oh, to God. come and perform an exorcism on me to like chase away all the Kishins and all the ghosts and negativity. Yeah. Um, it was it was huge, but um, but my father, he still doesn't know that I'm a Budang because of the fact that mm. like he will he will like disown me or whatever. I don't care that he'll disown me, but yeah. I care more like I don't have the energy for that drama. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. for me to stand here and explain my life choices to them. Like, I don't feel like especially with my um, with my father's side of the family, like I feel like they don't deserve that or I don't need to do that. You know, but right. my mom's side of the family, um, they're more Christian, but they're like, they don't really practice or really believe in it. Uh, but they're just there. But my mom's side of the family was more accepting, even though my mom was against it. My mom was really against it because she was more worried about the life that I was going to live. Not that I wasn't supposed to be a shaman, but she was more worried about how difficult this life could be and a mm-hmm. lot of the struggles that I, that I will experience because of this path. Yeah. Um, but at, at the end, um, now my mom's one of my biggest supporters and she's always there to support me and help me if I mm-hmm. need. Um, but my father's side, you know, because they're very like, very Catholic, like yeah, yeah. very Catholic. So that I don't really connect with that side too much. Did your parents like, like, move to the state or are they first generation or like were they born in the states or yeah so my mom's the first one who immigrated Uh and um she immigrated by herself here back in like the like late 70s early 80s and she got into and she was already like 29 30 which is very late for a woman back then yeah um and her family had an arranged marriagement and it was to my dad and she came back to korea to like marry him within like 30 days and then she Mm. came back to america to work and she started that's how she started slowly bringing everyone everyone from my family from my dad's side and my mom's family here Mm -hmm. and now most of my family from my dad's side and my mom are mostly now in america well the reason why i ask is because like i feel like when you are an immigrant to a new country like america it it makes sense that they would discard all these parts of their culture that didn't align with the new culture because like they're very Mm -hmm. much about fitting in and like 
being as not you know um threatening as possible and it's like mm-hmm. yeah we're catholic we're christian you know like we're protestant mm-hmm. like it it definitely makes sense that they would like um take on that new like white identity and like really try to discard the parts of their culture that like differentiate you know them from yeah american culture so that makes sense to me yeah i mean my grandmother became catholic in korea and it all had to do with money because Mm. i think the church was like when the church was trying to establish themselves in like her village yeah i think they were like giving out like like free money loans with no interest (laughs) and that's how my grandmother became catholic because they were giving out loans without like these are good people yeah yeah (laughs) my mom became christian i'm convinced my mom became christian because she thought jesus was hot like they got the they got the pic you know the 1970s bgs jesus like she was like that man looks like one of the bgs i'm going every weekend i swear to god they got her with that blue-eyed brown-haired jesus picture (laughs) i like this religion he's hot um but my mom's also very much like that. She's so like Christian and she gets like really upset. Like she would never tell me anything about like Budang and stuff like that. I had to like research that on my own and it it's kind of sad, but it it makes sense to mm. me. Um okay, so I wanted to tell you I wanted to share a sad story. I like mm. to share a little sad story bef- before asking my guest. Um but I actually wanted to share this with you cuz like I texted you a few weeks ago probably probably over a month ago now because I had this very weird thing happen and I wanted to share it cuz the list I I shared this um for Halloween I did an episode where I just talk about all the ghosts that I see all the time and people love the episode people were like reaching out to me they're really fascinated by it and and I did discuss like how I feel about that because there's a big part of me that like thinks it sounds crazy you know like that and so I was just like grappling with all those thoughts um in the episode but I had this extremely intense thing where a few weeks ago when I was texting you it was very scary I was in my kitchen um I was like eating on the floor and then there's like a big mirror in my kitchen and I started looking in the mirror and I started seeing somebody else's face in my face like it would snap into it. Like I would kind of like if I was like sort of dazing off, like in looking in the mirror, I would see it happen. Like I could like make it happen by just like sort of like zoning out. And every time I did it, I saw it. And then I was like, OK, I'm going to take a video because I feel like I could physically see my face change. And I was like, let me see if I can catch it on the video. So I, I took two videos. I sent it to my friend. In one of them, like the second it happens, you can see the light dim. You can physically see Mm. the light dim. And I was like screaming. And in the second video I took, you can hear someone breathing. Mm. Like it's like quiet and you just hear like, like that right when it happens. And I was fucking freaking out because before I took the videos, Mm. I was like, okay, I'm just... I'm insane, like just judging myself like I always do. And then I sent my friends these videos and then I was like, it felt really destabilizing and I felt really unstable. And I think the next day or maybe right then or the next day I like texted you because I wanted to ask you about it. But I don't know, you know, what that means or whatever. But now that I now that I have the video, I feel like, <laughs> like less crazy. Um, what do you like? You don't have to. Obviously, I know this is like 
you this is like a charge <laughs> thing but like what do you what do you think that is is that is that real what what was happening I believe that every person has intuition or some degree of sensitivity and each and every one of us has spirits, whether there are ancestors that are around us and being sensitive means like, so sometimes uh, some people may interpret that as possession of some sort or, Mm -hmm. or you, or you connecting or contacting with your spirit. And oftentimes those are your ancestors, oftentimes, right? And depending on the energy of your ancestors, um, it could be a good influence or a bad influence. Sometimes, you know, like I don't like mirrors too much oh. because mirrors, we could see mirrors um, as gateways or portals because in one of our tools as a Buddha, we have something called Myeongdu or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um these were bronze mirrors that Budangs used to do divination or to see a spirit's face. So like mirrors can be used and I mean, to be anything, I mean, they're just tools, but it could be used as a tool to connect with spirit or to see other spirits or sometimes mm. to scry, like to write things to or receive messages. So I don't deny that this this experience you had was something you made up. I think every one of us can and it's possible of having these spiritual experiences. Oftentimes we freak out because we don't know what it means. And a lot of times of our Christian upbringing and influences, we immediately think there's like Bloody Mary's out there or like the devil's out to get me. And it can be very, it can be very scary because it's like the unknown and we don't know. But from my experience, I've seen, um, and it depends on the on the nature and the energy and it's and it's different case by case but oftentimes i see that as ancestors reaching out or trying to connect in some way mm. it felt bad it felt like not mm. good like it felt like i don't want to use the word evil but it felt like cuz i do mm-hmm. like when i you know like i say i see ghosts all the time and it usually just doesn't feel that bad it just feels like i, I saw something and i'm like what whatever but this felt like very bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely possible because also we say that you could pick up energy when you're out and about. Like mm. there used to be an old Korean TV show where there's this TV show was all about people being followed by ghosts. Yeah. And sometimes we say that there was a story about this one guy who says he was possessed or haunted by a ghost. But he picked up this ghost at a nightclub and <gasps> it literally like piggyback off of him and followed him home. I'm not saying that's what happened with you, but be, but as individuals who have spiritual experiences, some of these energies that comes into our lives can be ancestors that are for good or some of the negative spirits or some of the spirits with heavier energies. But there's ways to remedy that. Like oftentimes salt is a very important thing that we use for cleansings and purification like yeah. i don't know if you ever see like those korean dramas with those ajumas someone brings like chisel up some and chisel up, like chisel up so, like some bad luck yeah yeah and they'll like they'll throw salt after someone leaves right because mm. they, they don't want that like bad luck that negativity lingering around so there's there's ways to like do things to cleanse and protect ourselves I called my friend and she said to wash the mirror off with vinegar. So I did that. Should I throw salt on it? I mean, you can, or you could put salt by it to see if, you know, to see if that helps. You can do that. I love the phrase because it means like that a person with bad luck, but it's like, it's like how it's said is so Mm. satisfying. It's like, 
that person is like bringing bad luck or something mm-hmm. or like when someone mm-hmm. says like their face looks chesopsod i feel like that's mm-hmm. so funny yes <laughs> <laughs> um i use that all the time um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try the salt thing so that was like my little like story thanks for the advice i'm gonna put a little thing of salt and then i'll tell you if anything happens but yeah i mean that was the only time i saw it actually i just like stopped looking in the mirror because i was scared i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like try to do that again that was terrifying um but yeah the i guess I, i'm so fascinated by all of this but i, I do want to get to your sad story do you mm. uh what's your sad story so i i have a lot of different traumas but growing up after my parents divorced so my my parents divorced and my mom ended up walking out when i was about eight nine years old and at that time, I didn't know what that meant. All I knew was that my mom was getting to a safe space because my father was very abusive. He was very mm-hmm. physical. And we grew up in a very abusive, authority, authoritarian type of household. And when my mom left, my grandmother from Korea came in and she came to like take care of us. Your dad's um, mom? Yeah, my dad's yeah, mom. Okay. And... Um, And I had a lot of trauma with like or issues of abandonment because my mom had left. And then when my family came over to help us, uh, to help my dad raise three children because I'm the oldest and I have two other siblings with us, um, we we weren't really cared for properly or we were kind of like luggages. Like one week I'm at this aunt's house, the next week I'm at that aunt's house. And a lot of times... You know, a little trigger warning, but there was a lot of abuse, like a lot of physical abuse, like Mm -hmm. from my cousins who will watch us. Um, Sometimes my cousin, you know, she was young, but my cousin, you know, with me, she would like, she would say that she would accuse me of lying about something, which I wasn't. And that she would Mm -hmm. stick a knife up to my throat and like keep me hostage for hours. Um, While all this is going on, the adults, they just turned a blind eye and and I think maybe because I had a um, a similarity or a likeness to my mom that maybe mm-hmm. I received so much negative attention or negative experience with my family. So my grandmother, she was extremely Catholic. My grandmother, she was like, I believe when I was younger, I thought my grandmother was schizophrenic. And mm. um, my grandmother believed she was chosen by God. Like after, you know, you have God, then you have Jesus. And then there's my grandmother, who she believed she was right after Jesus in terms wow. of like hierarchy. Wow. And she would say that I was a spawn of Satan. She was like Makiseki <gasps> or like Satan, you know. And and what that meant for me was that um, because my grandmother believed she was a prophet of God, she would like lock me up in her room for hours while she performed like an exorcism wow. or like or like a spiritual ritual of sorts in her room because she was saying that she was undoing like the devil's work in me and things like that. And it was very traumatic growing up. Um, My grandmother, she was not in her right mind, but at the same time, to me, my grandmother, if you ask me what evil was, that was my grandmother. To me, evil existed through my grandmother because... um, you know, sometimes at night, she while she was she was a very devoted person, she would always be praying. Yeah. But um, sometimes she would say the devil came in, and then next thing you know, at like two o'clock in the morning, she would have a bucket of salt, and she would start throwing salt everywhere in the house. So if you're sleeping in your bed oh soundly, she would just start like hailing down salt on you. And she would like she would always had a knife in her hand, and she was like stabbed the 
like poke the air because she believed she was like fighting off the devils or demons. Wow. Um, that was really hard because it really soured my relationship with my dad. Before the divorce, you know, I I saw myself as, you know, daddy's little girl or, you know, yeah. so I'm sorry, but uh, having a real close relationship with my father. Yeah. But when my grandmother came in and my father divorced, all of a sudden, overnight, I became like this demon child or wow. I was like the most hated person. And... And the fact that there was not a lot of protection, mm-hmm. um, being abused because just because whatever the elders wanted to do to me or like how or being their punching bag just because they had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the way I grew up. And I also grew up thinking because my mom had left us like I had some sort of fantasy that connecting with my mother again would be like would save me. Mm-hmm. or like would take me away from this hellhole but later on when I connected with my mom we had our own issues yeah. but um my biggest issue was not feeling part of the family mm-hmm. um you know or and that's also why it took me a long time to accept my Korean identity because oftentimes like for example my father would say something um like he would say something like I could kill you guys because <gasps> he would say you are my property he was, he will always wow. say to us, if we were in Korea, That's I so could kill up. you and no one would say anything because no, you're my property. You can't. What the hell is he talking I know. about? <laughs> I know. But Wait, this is like this is like children? how yeah. how like this is how like they always use Korean culture. If we wow. were in Korea, this is how our tradition is. Mm, so for they're me, like demonizing it. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, and I hated it, you know. So I hated being Korean. I hated like wow. every part of my Korean identity wow. because it was so like because you oppressive. thought in Korea people just killed their children and it was fine. Yeah, yeah, because your dad yeah. said that's how Koreans do it. Yeah, and Meanwhile, just and also being a woman, like stabbing the air in the name of Jesus or whatever. It's just yes, so yes. Eventually, we got kicked out of our Catholic church. <laughs> Because of my grandma, because because yeah, she, she she was like all sorts of crazy, you know, yeah. not to use that in a negative term, but she was very unstable. And I mean, um, yeah, sorry, yeah. I, I, pl- please continue your story. I just want to say, yeah. I just want to say that that's your what you're describing is like very intense abuse, very oh, yeah. very intense yeah. childhood abuse, and I just wanted to note that i think it's interesting well so when you were saying that your dad was really abusive to your mom physically he wasn't to you just your mom no he was he was abusive to all of us like right right. i remember um is one of my i don't have a lot of childhood memories but a lot of my one of my memory with me Mm -hmm. as my mom was my mom used to sleep with us in our room because she felt more safe to be with the children i guess and um I think that was the night she was going to tell him that she wanted a divorce and she was nervous and scared. And she yeah. she woke me up and she said to me, she's like, if you hear me screaming or crying, I want you to run in the room. Because my mom thought if I was there, he wouldn't mm-hmm. like hit her or not in front of the kids kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And within a few minutes, I heard my mom screaming and crying. But I was I was paralyzed. I couldn't go in the room like she wanted me to. Yeah, and because, how could you? You're a child. What are you supposed to yeah. do even? 
Yeah. And also because my father, you know, he, you know, like would always smack me up. I knew that me being a child didn't protect me. And out of that, I couldn't interfere. And I just listened to my mom getting beat all night, um, all throughout the wow. night. And then, um, and then until she finally did have the courage to walk away, you know, and I commend her for that because, you know, me as a mother now, I don't know if I'll be able to walk away from my kids, but you know, it's a different situation, but I know how hard that must have been, you know, but why didn't she take you with her? Oh, well, this is what happened. So when they were in the divorce and they were fighting um, mm. w- with their lawyers and like, I guess, coming to terms, my mom, she tried to fight for us. She told my dad that, you know, I want the kids and my father, all he had to say was, all right, let's go home and talk about it. What that what meant was, let me go home and beat the shit out of you until I force you to give the children to me. My father would tell me that he thought my mom as a dirty woman, because yeah. to him, he was like, you know, she, you know, that she was a dirty woman. And, and me being a girl and my, my sister being a girl, he was like, yeah. there's no way I could hand my daughters over to a dirty woman. And, you know, that's what he says. But, you know... I know that life might have been very different growing up with my grandmother. I mean, with my mom and my grandmother on my mom's side, because when when my parents were together, I was raised by my grandmother from my mom's side Mm -hmm. until they divorced. And then my grandmother from my dad's side came over. It sounds like your dad and his mom, they have a lot of issues, a lot of really messed up issues surrounding how they view women of course they like have the shared like hatred of women um it also sounds like you became the surrogate for Mm. your mom after she left so all of that hatred that they had for her was funneled into you which is like which is so profoundly abusive and it sounds like so such an intense thing to try to like heal from oh yeah i mean we still have problems now but um yeah. at one point um we had a child a uh, school therapist and she mm. happened to be korean mm. and i remember thinking oh my god i'm saved because no one's unless you're korean you're probably not going to understand this or it was hard yeah. and when i told the korean therapist i asked her can you please call child protective services and take us away from our home like that's what oh, i okay. asked her to do yeah and we were investigated like i don't know and i was nervous that my father or my family would find out it was me who reported them mm-hmm. but luckily they didn't know that it was me but we had um we were investigated but you know, and it, at the time, you know, I was telling them my family's religious and it was, it was like religious abuse and things like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. CPS didn't understand what that was. So mm-hmm. even though they came to observe us twice, it was just like, you know, it was shut down. It was it was closed. I'm willing to bet that that even made your dad and grandma look good in their eyes. You know, yes, because they're like Christians are good and they believe in Christianity, which is why I think immigrants so hard, so latch on to that, like white because, you know, like white religions are just like disguises for very blatant white supremacy. And so they're like, oh, well, you are you're you're following this, then you must be a good person, which is literally the opposite. You know, yeah, literally like if you're a 
devout Christian, it basically means you're a shitty person at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's like, absolutely. so they were probably like, oh, you're, you're saying that they're Christian. Well, good. You, maybe you're being a little shit and you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, your yeah. grandma's calling you the re- reincarnation of Satan. Mm-hmm. Fucking nuts. That's so horrible. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, as difficult as it was, I'm also grateful for it because it got me to relate to other people who are experienced some to some some similarities that I went through. Yeah. Um, and as hard as that is, but I'm still like I feel like I have so much trauma and a lot of things that I can't believe at, even at this age, like I'm still processing things, which is yeah. you know. But I'm glad that I actually have the tools like to navigate some of these complex situations that I experienced. I think religious trauma, I'm sure you know a lot more about. Sorry, I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. Thank you. I'm sure that you know a lot more about this because it sounds like you've really looked into it. But it's I think that what's so damaging about it is that it's not just like my family is abusive and my my authority figure is abusive they're like saying that god the supreme mm. being the maker of the universe thinks that you're bad like that is psychologically that's psychological yeah. terrorism you know what i mean like to a little yeah. child and there's your grandma actually fully believing in this you know yeah. i can't imagine what that would do to like a little kid's like sense of self yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was hard because my father is a mama's boy. Like my father, it was like he did everything because like he believed in what my grandmother said. So like we, mm-hmm. our family had our own cult. Like we had this little cult around my grandmother mm-hmm. where like even the other members of our family, we would gather at my house to like do the rosaries, stations of the cross, like we would have like, you know, what people have do in church, we would do that every day in my house. Like they would bring all these Christian influences. But at the same time, my grandmother, she mixed Catholicism with Korean shamanism, for example. Like I was going to say, we had an altar. Yeah, we had an altar at home and she will cook like what what mudangs do like put up offerings on the altar like mm-hmm. cook fresh rice and like put up food like what we do for cheza which is ancestral offerings yeah she would do that for jesus mary and joseph in our in the catholic sense right which is something you know like that's like the strength of christianity it's like where the colonizers went with it the people that lived there just like adapted yes. it to their already existing beliefs and it's like a yes. you know I, I like to think of religion as a virus and it mutates you know like it's like a, yes it's like the common cold it just mutates with every passing and it's a mutation of this disgusting disease um but that sounds that sounds so fascinating and it's just so horrific but is there yeah, just like, I don't even know what questions to ask. I'm just like, I mean, I hope that you are feeling, it sounds very much that you have like a very good understanding of it. And and can I ask, mm-hmm. what's ha- now, uh, so, uh, the other piece that I is so striking about your story to me is that, you know, you said that you felt this abandonment from your mom, but that would, I feel like, be something that was, so hard for me if I was in your shoes like your mom knowing that if she left you 
she knew that that shit was going to happen. I mean, she probably yeah. knew about your dad's mom and she yeah. knew your dad. So she knew you were probably going to take the brunt of of what she was putting up with. Yeah. It's it's also because I told her to. Like so when I was younger, sometimes I would just get these feelings or I don't like now I call them messages, but back then I didn't know what that was. But I I told her, like my mom, I told her, I was mm-hmm. like, it's okay to get a divorce. You could walk away. And that helped her move forward when I did that. But when I was younger, I didn't know what that meant. All I knew is how I felt or what I heard. And that's I shared that job. with mom. Yeah. Sorry. It's just so, it makes me, it's really heartbreaking for me to think of like, you know, you have kids. I have a son now. Like I would never in a million years yeah make put him in a situation where he had to put up with shit like i would do everything in my power to make sure that he didn't have to put up with it like i would get my fucking ass beat for the rest of my fucking life if he didn't have to go through that you know yeah and for your mom to like sort of know that and like i can't obviously i can't judge anyone because she had to get out and i get it but it's like i don't know i'm just very disappointed in her I, I don't even know I if mean, that's fair for me to feel that, but I'm just like, I just can't imagine like knowingly leaving your yeah. kid in that situation. Did she ever like come back for you? So, um, yes. And I already knew that she was coming back. Um, yeah. I was like, I think I was like already 16 or something. Yeah. And then um, I had a feeling like, oh, mom's coming. Yeah. And I remember having like having this built up of like, I'm going to be saved type of energy. Mm. Um, because, you know, abandonment with my mom, but also by my father too. And all these different members within my family. Right. And, and the thought of reuniting was so, gave me so much hope. And then when I finally did reunite, I had so many issues with my mom. Like we didn't understand each other as a person, you know, she, you know, when she came back into my life, she just automatically want to take on this role of mother and me just abiding or listening to what she wanted from me. And, and I, and I fought against that. You know, my mom, we have a very complicated and very difficult relationship even now Mm -hmm. after all these years. Um, But I also realized that, you know, when I was younger, I was like, you know, my mom abandoned me. That's, that's the narrative that I had. But as I got older, my narrative shifted and mm-hmm. allowed space that it's not that yes she did abandon but also it was to really but it was the relationship she was in with my father yeah, you know, yeah. i can't That's understand how difficult from. yeah because he you know even though my grandmother and my father believe in god but to me those two people are the epitome or the is is the definition of evil because yeah believing god or a higher source should promote good in us but using Mm -hmm. that as a an authority as a way to claim authority to do whatever you want in the name of god or whatever it was just really like disgusting to me so you know yeah so i mean i still have struggles and issues with my parents now but you know i'm still i'm mending my relationship with my mom still well the thing about the the thing about the religious thing is that you know like i i just feel like everyone that harms other people obviously that comes from a place of them being harmed themselves but then yeah like using this like higher power i just feel like people who need this crutch of religion to like 
justify their actions like that it just oh it, they usually turn out to be just like bad people you know and, and like there yeah. are there's no such thing as a bad person in my perspective like just people who do things to harm others or help others whatever but but it's like if it's just like a bunch of unprocessed stuff wait so can i ask the from the time that your mom left to when you went you said you were 16 when she came back how long how many years was that I think it was like a span of like maybe seven years. Okay. Yeah. Maybe See, seven to eight years or so. That's like your entire childhood essentially. Like Yeah. Half, it was yeah. 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 It was important for me as a woman to have the support of my mom, especially like being eight years old and like going through puberty and yeah. like growing up into an adolescent. You know, I realized I didn't think that all this trauma would affected me. But, you know, like 16, 17, I started, you know, dating boys and getting myself into my own, like, violent relationship where I was, I experienced yeah, domestic violence in my own relationships. Of course. You know, it was, you know, and it's ironic because I thought that would never happen to me. My mom went through that. I would never put myself into that position to only now, like, almost every relationship I was experienced some type of, you know, domestic violence myself and and now Mm -hmm. um you know and doing some of that work around it like work about like loving myself or accepting myself despite people didn't around me yeah I think I mean obviously when you you grow up in a certain way it's not that you're like looking for it but it's like you're behaving in the only way that you know and unfortunately that draws the same kind of characters into your life you know it's like um, especially with children that grow up around abuse, like you see them and later on they get in the very same pattern of abuse. Not that they want to, it's just that that's what they know. And that kind of person mm-hmm. is what they know. So of course that person's going to be drawn to them and vice versa. Um, that sounds, yes. that sounds really, really hard. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, so do you, do you still talk to both of your parents? So I talk to my mom, you know, my mom's very much involved in my children's life, which Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for. Mm -hmm. I don't talk to my dad so much because my dad has like over the years, he's just turned into more of a worse and worse person. Like, um, (laughs) so like after the passing of my grandmother, I thought that my father would kind of like come into his own a little bit because he was Mm -hmm. such a mama's boy or so heavily influenced by my grandmother that, you know, after her passing, I thought he would just... I don't know, maybe be better, but then he got into Trump and he got into this whole white national, like all that stuff. Makes so much sense. And my father, (laughs) and my father now, he doesn't know I'm a Buddha. So all he knows is that I'm a housewife that takes care of the kids. Mm -hmm. So he's always talking to me like I'm a dumb housewife. I don't know how the world goes. Mm -hmm. So he's always like, lecturing me about what's happening in the world like political events and he's always like as a woman you need to stop being stupid (laughs) and you need to start learning like start educating yourself so you know this clearly tells me that you know even though he's my father he knows absolutely nothing about me like as a person or anything about me and and you know And I don't know if we could ever connect, to be honest, like, you know, and I don't have any intentions of wanting to connect on a deeper level because to me, I feel like he will never change. And he's just such a toxic person to be around that I just 
rather not be around him. I mean, and this also goes to my father's side of the family. Like all the other elders that I have, like my aunts and uncles and my cousins, like I don't talk to any of them because they're all Catholic and I think they're all shitty people. Yeah. I don't blame you. Well, let's just let's just back up a little. So grandma's dead. Yes. That bitch is yes, grandma in hell somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. She I I do think she's paying her dues. Um she passed yeah. away right when um my youngest child was about to do his tour, his mm-hmm. one year birthday. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, like when there's a passing, we don't do any celebration. So I couldn't hold a, a turjanchi, like a one-year celebration. Yeah. But my grandmother passed away. Like, she lived old, too. Like, she was, like, 90 or something. So, like... These evil ones you know, never give up. No, seriously. They hold on. Because... They're evil it little was something souls. I hate to say. Yes. I mean, I hate to say that I was wishing for her death. But as a child and under that, I was just hoping that she lived a short life. That, you yeah. know, God was... If she was so important to God, I was hoping that he was going to take her, you know, but she held on like she lived, you know, she lived the longest um, out of everyone. <laughs> they probably know where they're headed. So they hold yeah. on tightly. <laughs> they know. Yeah. She knew where she yep. was going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was telling my father, she's like, when I die, you come with me. Like she was saying things like that to my dad. <laughs> Why didn't he? <laughs> I know. <laughs> What's stopping you, I Dad? Mean, my father said, "This is the crazy part." So when my grandmother passed and I went to her funeral, I had heart. Yeah. I-, I wasn't going to show up to her funeral, but they needed my car because I have a minivan. And when I showed up to the funeral and I was trying to get out, I saw my uncle in the- while they were in process. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget to me that he looked at me and he says, "Oh." meaning like oh Shut satan's up. here to just like to disrupt shit you should have just dumped remember... some pig's blood all over her coffin that's what i would <laughs> I, I would have been like you know what this is what you want from me i'm doing it just exactly lit that shit on fire <laughs> i, I should have done it um but i remember like having so much pain around that because they knew the circumstances that yeah. i grew up in and, and all of a sudden to say that I was the devil, to, that same rhetoric that my grandmother was using was like, after that, I was like, oh, fuck you guys. I am never going to deal with you guys. Like fuck all you guys. you guys could burn in hell. Like, I don't care. You know? Let's do a, I will help you. Let's do a ritual <laughs> and curse them. I will bring my mirror demon <laughs> and the salt and the vinegar. <laughs> and we're gonna we're we're doing this. I'm sick of these people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also want to say that this concept of like everybody like shitting on one person is like a very Korean thing. And like I I always like think about it. You know how like back when we were kids, like the Wangta thing was happening. Yes, you're like your family's Wangta. Like the it's basically like yes. the one person that everyone gangs up on and makes fun of and and that's like a big part of korean culture they choose one of the weakest person they all shit on them and it's a huge problem in korean in school in korean schools like because that child usually ends up fucking committing suicide and it's like it's it's like this like herd mentality thing which you know i i love korean culture and stuff but that part i'm just like that's got to go i know and the person that has power like designates the wangta and it's like it's just unfair yeah I feel like that's why I was so like, you know, I had, I I love being Korean. There's so many problems with it though. Cause I grew up in yes. Korea and now, you know, like there's such a, 
like idolization of Korean popular culture. And I'm like, dude, mm. this place is fucked up. Like there's so many fucked up. Yeah. But I'm not going to say that shit in front of white people because they're going to get all racist with it. So I can't even yeah. say that. I'm just like, yeah, Korea's great. I love it. And it's wonderful. The yeah. end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have my own feelings around it because as a Korean Budan, where yeah. like, I'm so, I like, technically, I, I just assume when people think of Korean shaman that we represent Korean culture. Yeah, yeah. And while I love and embrace our culture and our expressions, there's so many problems within our society that like, we yeah. have to like, break down and like tackle you know and it's fine because we we're doing it for the betterment of our society and our culture you know like yes it's it's who else if not us you know yes the people that are like yeah (laughs) we're gonna come in and be like you guys have to stop doing this and i i just love it now seeing all these like foreign foreign people being like (laughs) those like white women going to korea like i'm gonna date a korean guy they're so handsome i'm like have fun bitch Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. fun holding his it's arm. It's true. When he's it's trying true. to beat. I mean, up. like, yeah. When I was still, when I was still young, and my mom would be like, "Never get with a Korean man." Or like, I've had other friends where their mothers said the same thing, like, "Never marry a Korean guy," because mm-hmm. because of the restrictions and like, the, as a woman, or you know. Yeah. But I have other friends and my mom telling me like, "Never marry a Korean guy," because you know, unfortunately, but like even my brother. You know, they have a lot of tux- male toxicity and Korean, depending on the culture or the tradition you grew up in or the household, it caters to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, to be fair, there's a lot of wonderful like Korean men out there. But I'm just yes. like, just like, yes, Korean people, like even the I'm just like, when I go there, I forget all the issues, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah. hard it's a it's it a is. very uh there's lots of good things about it but then it's just it's just hard you know especially if you're it a is. woman and you're an outspoken woman like we are mm-hmm. yeah they literally think that we are satan they do the, the entire yes. korea does <laughs> yes yes or they'll label you crazy right yeah or you know it's it's like this attack on women i mean like korea's history like with confucianism and patriarchy the entire chosen dynasty was built on oppressing women you know so a lot of that belief is still kind of very present especially like when i went to korea this summer uh doing research and study with a lot of academic professors that's like one of the first things that i experienced was the sexism and like because a lot of these professors or academic scholars are men yeah. And on top of that, I'm a woman and you tell them I'm Korean American on top of that. It was yeah. yeah, it was really bad. So hard dealing with those like any Korean man with any sort of power, dude, how they talk yes. to you is just repulsive. It's like yes. boils my blood and then I act crazy and they're like there's a crazy bitch and I'm like, yeah, you're yeah. making me crazy. You're talking to me. You're screaming yeah. over me. Oh, my God. Like the times I've done like comedy and stand up comedy in Korea, which is very new in Korea, but they already got the message that it's a man's thing. I'm Mm. like, wow, you guys have been doing this for three years and you're already on this bullshit. But (laughs) it's like like unbearable how they talk to me. Anyway, that's got to be hard. That stays within the Korean community. If you're not Korean, don't we don't need to hear your (laughs) opinion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just two Koreans talking to each other. Um, 
Well, that's like all of that is like so fascinating. What an what a I'm really glad that you brought up this very specific type of abuse because no one's ever brought this up like religious mm. ab- abuse. And it's like it just seems like such a it just seems that it would have really shattered your perception of yourself mm. as a young child. Because like not only is it because if, if it's just your family, you can be like, OK, these people might be nuts. But then they're yeah. they're incorporating the fucking almighty into it, and you're like, yeah, God hates me like that. That yeah. sounds like soul shattering. Yeah, <sighs> I mean that it's also like it really affected me on my path as a Buddha because mm. when I had to initiate, I, w- I went through this spiral of holy shit, I'm just gonna accept the devil like this like. Because, you know, also I had fears around Korean shamanism because of the stereotypes that I was influenced by and the yeah. stigmas, like from the Catholic well, and the evil. Christian side. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. that my me accepting it was like, part of me, I was, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to prove my grandma right all this time. You know, like these things I was experiencing. But despite having those thoughts, you know, I felt very pulled by, I was guided and pulled and, um, yeah. and this has been a major like a vehicle as a source of healing for me of like to release my hun right mm-hmm. and my anger and my and all my issues it's been a very powerful vehicle for me well if this evil bitch your grandma thought it, it was bad <laughs> and she was good and we know that she was evil so like whatever she didn't she thought was evil must be good <laughs> yes you know what i mean <laughs> yes like if this is yes. if this is satanic, sign me up. If this is <laughs> wrong, then I don't want to be right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Just live deliciously is what I what I say. Yes. But I, I've, <laughs> but I what I want to reiterate that like shamanism, Korean shamanism is not evil. Budangs are not mm. evil. It's I feel like it's a very benevolent and peaceful ancient religion of korea and i think the idea that it's evil and sinister is very christian white supremacist you know uh the the savage like you that sort of ideology and i think it's very problematic and i think it's really really why so many white people are so fucked up because they come from these religious backgrounds Mm -hmm. and they see everything as evil it reminds me a lot of how like white people there was all this like fear white fear of like voodoo you, you yes. know like in the south because they were like yes. oh all these black people that we treat horribly are going to rise up against us using their mm-hmm. magic and meanwhile it was just like a very peaceful religion and white people were like projecting their evil yes. intentions onto it you know because they were abusing the black people absolutely kind of like that yeah and uh, I'm, I'm very i'm so excited that you were taking on this cultural practice and sharing it with the world and you're available for the korean americans and and anyone else right it's not just just for koreans that are interested in this spirituality or this um method of you know method of life (laughs) (laughs) it is a lifestyle you're absolutely right it's a lifestyle yeah, and I'm very excited that you are showing the world this aspect of Korean culture that oh, even a lot of Koreans you. are, for some reason, uncomfortable sharing. I think it's really beautiful, and I think it's a really important part of who we are as a people. Mm. Um, 
And I just want to thank you for being thank on the you. podcast. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I, I, you know, just for this platform, just to share my story, I, you have no idea what is like done for me just to like sharing the story and having some sort of release has been very powerful. So thank you. And thank God your grandma's dead. Let's go do a curse. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if you do evil curses, but like, let's go get some blood and some, I don't know, red markers and some, I don't know, torn money. I don't know. Put the, put the chopsticks in her rice. <laughs> I'm down. I'm, I will help you. I will come out in the moonlight and whatever you need, girl. I'm there. Knives and handkerchiefs or whatever. <laughs> thank you <laughs> um and then where can our listeners find you on social media if they're uh, or maybe even contact you if they're in uh, want of your services so i have social media so like i'm on facebook instagram and tiktok they could just google like budang jen or shaman budang like budang jen and i should come up like on instagram or even on tiktok or or feel free to like message me. I'd be happy to like respond to whatever questions people have. So that's Mudang, M-U-D-A-N-G and Jen with two N's, J-E-N-N. Yes. In case you want. Okay, yes. Great. Um, and you can follow yes. the podcast at Harry Butthole Podcast on Instagram. And you can follow me at YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. Jen, I want to thank you again. Oh my God. Thank you. And I'll talk really? to you. This is yes, such we'll a talk. fascinating conversation. I'm sure people learn so much and I'm sure that, you know, you've really answered all my questions. So great. Anytime. Thank you. Bye. Bye.